Um, I just have to hold this right here, even though it's not coming out of here, but I know it's, it's fine. Oh, a clippy. I decided not to, I know makes me seem too professional. I know a little bit about boundaries. I don't know everything about boundaries. So we're not doing this thing. We'll just do the handheld. Um, we're talking about boundaries. If you didn't know, now you're stuck with me. <laughs> Hopefully you did know. Um, I was talking with my husband earlier. One of the things, just working with young ministry leaders and sometimes executive leaders, the topic of Oh, we're in pause. Hi, guys. Thank you for joining us. Come in. <laughs> <laughs> you, you miss music? That's what you're talking about. We want you here. 
I don't. I don't. I could try to make music, but you you wouldn't want to listen to it. <laughs> I love your baby's beanie. Wait, is it matching with yours? You know what? When I had babies, it wasn't a thing to like match with your baby yet, and I just feel like I got I missed out. Like there's things that now moms do. I'm like, can I do that as a grandma? Because I'm gonna be the grandma that buys my grandkids clothes. Just I missed out on that whole thing. <laughs> now they're teenagers. I don't think they would like. <laughs> They do now give me advice on what I should wear. My daughter finally told me, she was like, Mom, you can't wear skinny jeans anymore. They're not in, like, those are out. Like, they got to have some sort of, like, you know. I know, I know. Anyways, I'm off topic. Um, just a little plug, because I love this topic. Um, it's been one of those topics that I feel like Corey and I, being two decades in a ministry, um, continually have to have, but we also learned a lot of things the hard way. And I think I'm, I'm extremely passionate about boundaries and that topic because of that. Like, I wish somebody would have had a seminar, given me books, or like, just give me some sort of foundation of like, where do I start with this? In the context, so we're not going to just talk about boundaries. We're going to talk about in the context of ministry. Because believe it or not, whether you want to accept it or not, because you are in some sort of leadership role, whether it's a pastor, whether it's you lead youth in a small group, whatever it might be, your boundaries are going to look different, and they need to look different. And so the comparison of what your boundaries are going to look like compared to somebody who is not leading in the way that you are spiritually and shepherding people, um, there's no comparison there. There will be some of the same, and there will be things that you say yes to or no to or you can do or you can't do or you have to think extra hard about certain things just because that's, that is when you, you know, if, Sometimes in the Christian world, it's like count the costs. And it's like there's another cost layer when it comes to not just being a pastor and a pastor's wife, but when you step in and you say yes to I'm going to lead and shepherd people in the way of Jesus, there's a new cost there. And there will have to be sometimes uh, an adjustment in seasons of different boundaries. All that to say, I have this book on boundaries. It's just called Boundaries by Henry Cloud. If you've never read it, you need to read it. It's phenomenal. The, my favorite part about that book um, is he uses a lot of scripture, and it's really practical. I read it when I was young, and I wish somebody would have told me that you're going to read it in this season of your life, and then you need to read it again. So if you've read it before, you should read it again. Uh, my friends and I are in a new season of life with teenagers and ministry and just juggling different things. And this, this concept of boundaries keeps coming up, and we're like, 
I think we need to read that book again. Like sometimes there are those things where you're like, I already learned that, check it off the list. But then later in your season of life, you're like, I need to relearn. I need to relearn these things. So boundaries, this one's gonna be a little different. I am not an expert on it. I feel like anybody who says they are, um, maybe they're not, I don't know, maybe they are. But that feels like a little scary to say. Um, you can't be an expert on something that is very individualistic, and that's what boundaries is. Your marriage is very individual to, to you guys. Your experiences, your trauma, what you need, what you don't need, is very individualized to just you, and so that's exactly where boundaries fall. Like what, what you are capable of saying yes to or what you need to say no to is gonna be very different than everybody else in this room or at this conference or in your church or whatever it might be. Um, and so the way that we're gonna look at boundaries today is just through three filters. There's a million different filters and layers of boundaries and different ways to look at boundaries in different parts of your life. We don't have time to do all that, I wish we did. Um, but one thing, as I was just like processing and writing my notes, I feel like boundaries, oftentimes when we think about it, we're thinking through the lens of how can I have a better boundary or I needed to have a better boundary for myself towards other people, towards different situations or my work or whatever it might be. I wanna look at it through that lens, but then also flip-flopped. Are you giving other people really good boundaries, the space to have boundaries? Are you asking those questions for yourself through the lens of caring, loving, and shepherding other people? Because I feel like that's kind of the difference between counting the costs as somebody who shepherds other people. You're not just creating boundaries for yourself, but you're also making sure you're holding it out of like, am I, for example, I have boundaries of what I could say yes to. I know my limits. I know if somebody is asking too much of me, flip-flop it. Do you have those same boundaries when you ask your leader or your coworkers? Do you give them the space to have those boundaries? Is your expectation of them so high that you can't even give them those boundaries. So I wanna look at it both ways because as a leader, as a shepherd, as somebody who wants to love the people around them and serve them and lead them well, we need to not only look at the boundaries for ourselves, but also for the people around us. That creates a really, really good, healthy pattern of a really healthy leader. And just like in your life in general. Um, Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. I think um, when it comes to the topic of boundaries, sometimes we just want the rules. Tell me what I can and cannot do. I need to move on. When it comes to boundaries, I think that we need to slow down. We do not, I, oftentimes it's like, just give me the rules of what's, what's going to be helpful but I chose this verse because I also want to invite this heart concept that, that the Holy Spirit and God, 
needs to be a part of that decision making. But sometimes we create these boundaries or, or we don't create boundaries completely separate from bringing it to the Lord. And there are times, there have been many times um, in our ministry life where the Holy Spirit has given me discernment about a new boundary. And if I wasn't inviting the Lord into just listening to his voice, I would have just missed it. I would have really missed it. And there would have been pain on me or Corey or the people around me, right? Boundaries aren't just to protect yourself and for self-care. It's also really important for you to have boundaries so that the people around you feel loved. Like there's a difference there. There's a difference in perspective in the way that you think about boundaries of like boundaries actually make sure that the people around me feel loved and that they're getting that love in the right place. And we're going to talk about that. Um, Corey and I often say to each other, <clears throat> because boundaries are also uh, a safe place. There's an expectation when boundaries, like Corey was saying last night, like it's a fence whether it's a relationship or workflow or whatever it might be, there's a fence there and you can play and have fun and have conversation within that fence. The second you get out of it, it's not safe anymore. You're like inviting, putting a target on yourself that like to say, Corey and I say these words all the time, I would never do that to you. We will never say that to each other. Or I would never do that to them or I would never do that sin. Because the reality is that is a terrible lie that we often believe. The reality is you are one bad day and a few sins away from disqualifying yourself from either being a pastor or a leader or a shepherd or just a disciple of Jesus that somebody sees the love of God in you. Just one bad day, a few sins away. And so what boundaries does is it helps, it, it acknowledges that very truth of I'm really close, I'm human, and I'm just a bad day and a few sins away. That's it, one wrong conversation, one wrong motive from another person, or a day I didn't even know I had insecurities and I needed a lot of attention that day. I didn't do a check-in on my own soul or my own heart. My motives were off, and it, it, it takes you outside of that fence and puts a target on you for Satan to just be like, all right, it's go time. It's your prime for hunting at that point. So this is where I want to talk about boundaries. Three things. The first one, and also within boundaries, there's so many more things than just these three things. I just chose them. Uh, first one, unhealthy expectations. When we have unhealthy expectations or other people have unhealthy expectations on us, how often does that happen in ministry every day? What are our boundaries and what do they look like? Next one is physical, physical limitations. What does it look like, even me just physically being in a room or physically being in a car with somebody else or physically making myself available for people? What does that look like? And what does that look like for other people? Now, there are 
layers upon layers upon layers, and this is why it's individualized for each of you, because when you are married, your boundaries aren't just for yourself. Your boundaries are also to honor your marriage. One thing, I'm getting off track on my notes, but I'm going to do that a lot in this topic. Um, one thing that I wish that Corey and I would have known before getting into ministry, being married, we did a lot of things backwards because we just didn't know. If you have never had a conversation with your spouse about what good boundaries look like for them and for you, and it's not a blanket, it is really practical, really intentional, and give them a picture of what you're talking about. So instead of doing it backwards, which Corey and I did a lot, where it was like, oh, I'd be like, he'd come home from work. How was your day? You know? And he's like, well, this is just like one example. Happens all the time. One of my volunteers came to me, and she needed this advice, and then it got really deep, and then she started crying, and it was like, emotionally, I felt like a little uncomfortable, but I wasn't sure how to communicate that to her and the door was open uh, to have this conversation. I didn't know what to say. Nothing bad happened in that conversation, but the door opened to where she needed an emotional conversation with him that he was like, hey, I want a boundary there. Like there were certain things she was talking about that like her need needed to come from somebody other than me and I'm her pastor. But I'm acknowledging, and so we had to do the backwards conversation of like, oh, like, we didn't have a plan in place. We didn't have a, like, when this happens, these are the people that I'm going to point this woman to because they're going to be able to meet her needs and have a conversation in a way that, like, doesn't make me uncomfortable, doesn't make her uncomfortable, doesn't give her different expectations on me that I, I can't meet. I can't be that emotional support to her in the same way that, like, my wife being me could, could be. Does that make sense? So, like, specifically with spouses, and I would even say for people who have youth teams, this is such an important conversation to have so that you don't lead your team or lead your spouse or lead your partner or whatever, whoever is with you within those boundaries. You're not leading outside of the boundary fence and then being like, well, what do I do or say now? Like, at what point do I stop the conversation? Or where do I lead them? Who do I give them over to to care for them? That you would have a plan in place of what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, and that will change with each individual, right? Um, and brings up a great conversation of like, hey, spouse, like, how does it make you feel? What an honoring thing to do. 
I wish that Corey and I knew how to have those conversations before we were backtracking and I was having to be like, well, but the way that the way that you did this or represented yourself or spent all of your time doing this made me feel this way. So now we have to go back. When this happens again, this is how I feel like you could honor me better. Does that make sense? Yeah. Basic things. Okay, I didn't get to my third thing. Third one is insecurity. When we have insecurity, which every single human being does, might look different. The lies you're believing are, they're a different lie than the person sitting next to you. What do boundaries look like? Why do we need them? Flip it. When the people around us who need care have insecurities, how do we care for them with boundaries? We've all, if you're a pastor or you're all leaders, we have all had that person come to us and you immediately can discern their insecurity is leading them, the amount of care and love and attention and time that they need is beyond what you can give them. And so how do you have boundaries so you do not cross the line of, you're not the superhero. You will not save them. There is no amount of time that you can give them that will erase their insecurity or hurt or pain, that it's not your job to rescue. So how can we have boundaries to where we can remember that as we're caring, as we're being incredible shepherds, but then also free them into that thought too. Like, I'm not here to rescue you. I'm here to care for you. Um, three things. We desire to do ministry and be disciples with character for the long haul. This is what Boundaries does. If you can get a handle in every season and constantly hold it out to the Lord, what is my boundary? What is my physical boundary? What am I capable of physically? Where do I need to be in? What space do I need to be in? What unhealthy expectations do I have? When you start to ask these questions of yourself and create these boundaries, it actually gives you the freedom and the ability to do the work of ministry for the long haul. It's not this confining thing that makes you feel restricted like rules. It actually gives you the freedom and the availability to do it for a longer amount of time and for more people. All right, let's get into it. As minister, ministers, we have a heart to encourage, to bless, and to engage with people relationally. However, if we're not careful, we can find ourselves emotionally drained, mentally fatigued, and phys physically too close if we're not setting healthy boundaries. This is like the premise of what I want to talk about and only the beginning of where you can kind of launch into what exactly does this look like in my own life. Unhealthy expectations is the first one. Those, that was the first one of the three. Uh, I thought this was really funny. Sometimes the Bible has like these verses in it and you're like, I never knew that was there. And this is actually hilarious. Uh, Proverbs 25, 17 says, seldom set foot in your neighbor's house. Too much of you and they will hate you. You're like, 
I like Googled <clears throat> scripture on boundaries. And that was like one of the first ones I was like, okay, really practical. Like, thank you very much. <laughs> I have nothing else to say about that verse. I just thought it was funny. Um, when it comes to unhealthy expectations, here's some really good questions you can ask yourself. When it comes to boundaries, that there's many other parts of your spiritual walk where you will kind of start to do this thing where you're like, just tell me the answer. Tell me what to do. Tell me the answer. When it comes to boundaries, I think the best thing to do is ask really good questions. You ask yourself the really good questions. You ask the Lord the really good questions. And you go back and forth and back and forth. And it's this digging process. And then if you're, you're married, then you ask them. And you continue to ask these questions back and forth that lead you into that pasture with the fence. And then maybe that pasture, you know, can grow or change or develop. But it starts with questions. First one, an unhealthy expectation. Based on my realistic assessment of my capacity, does this relationship or ask threaten to hyperextend what I can realistically and even generously give. I'll say it again. Based on my realistic assessment of my capacity. Let's stop there. Boundaries takes a really big look inside. Not just outwardly. Like what they're doing to me makes me feel like I need a boundary with them. We got to pause. First, you need to look at a realistic analysis on the inside of like, why do I feel that way? Is this discernment? Is this me just feeling uncomfortable? Is it because they have a different personality with, than me or quirky or whatever it might be? So based on the realistic assessment of my capacity, looking at what you are capable of doing, which is individual, some have kids, some have one, some have four. Some are married, some are not. Some are single. I just want to say this and throw it out there for single people. You're allowed to have really good boundaries. What you are called to isn't more just because you're single. You're allowed to have those. The married person with kids doesn't get to only be the person with boundaries. If you're in a, a situation where you feel like the ask is more because they think you have more time, boundary. Evaluate that and the capacity, the realistic capacity on the inside. Now, you may be able to give more. That's a beautiful thing Paul talks about. You may be able to give more, but the expectation should be from the Lord, should be literally hearing from the Lord, like the way that I spend my time can actually look different, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be overly extended to more. Does that make sense? Uh, sorry, let me finish that. Based on my realistic assessment of my capacity, does this relationship <clears throat> or ask threaten to hyperextend so that hyperextend is like, does it go outside the boundaries of what I'm capable? Are you going to have to give just your leftovers 
to the rest of what you committed to or what God has given you because you're now saying yes to these other things. Unrealistic expectations. I have this thought in my head all the time and announce and and think and process before I say yes every time. I never want to give my husband or my four kids my leftovers because I didn't have good boundaries and other yeses and asks and relationships. When I stand before God, I want to be able to say, I did my best not because I said yes to everything, because I'm, I'm too afraid to let people down or I'm too afraid of what my boss is gonna say or I'm too afraid to be vulnerable or too afraid to, to realize I don't wanna say no because then that actually acknowledges my weaknesses. I can't be everything to everyone. But really, I want to stand before God and be like, I somehow through the spirit and you giving me strength, I didn't give leftovers. I was able to give exactly what you designed for me to give. That's what boundaries allows you to have. And I love at the end of the question is generously give. Second question under unhealthy expectations is, do I feel the freedom in this relationship or this situation to communicate what I can and cannot give without fear of being punished or pushed away? Is a good one. Because we can flip this one as well. And this is a really hard one to look in the mirror as a leader. But if I could just like, Put this in your Bible, if you're a pastor, and say, can you please make sure you're asking yourself this on behalf of your leaders or your staff or anybody that you shepherd? This is the one. Yeah. Do I feel the freedom in this relationship to communicate what I can and cannot give without fear of being punished or pushed away. That is for the people around you, and as a leader, do you give that freedom? And that's a good question to ask and then ask yourself, how do I give that freedom? Because people can't read your mind. That needs to be communicated. In your leader team meeting, I just need you guys to know you have the freedom to have boundaries. You have the freedom. Do not be afraid to tell me when you can't do something. That is a shepherding, loving way to lead. And not only that, you're then teaching them without teaching them. What are they then going to do to the people that they teach and lead? The same thing. That's one of those things, there's a lot of, as a pastor or a leader, you teach without words all the time. And in the context of boundaries, we do a lot of it. Sometimes you don't even have to tell people about the boundary and you just like invite them into that space. Sometimes we do have to have a conversation about it. And then another one and then another one, you know. And it's not always happy and fun and People don't always love them. But if you look at and you 
desire healthy boundaries, really what you're doing them is loving them in the best way that you know how. Another great one <clears throat> is sometimes, especially with young people, and I would say just across the board, a good leader will look at somebody who is just not aware of this concept and you release them. You do it. You go first. Hey, you seem really overextended. I just want you to know you're released from this commitment if you feel like it's too much. Do you know how much care that gives somebody? Immediately feel seen. And in your head as the leader, you're like, well, who's going to do it now? <laughs> like, i got to go find more people. But first and foremost isn't getting the program and the things and all, all that done. First and foremost, it's to love the people in front of you. If you can't do the program that you desire to do because you release somebody out of love, don't do it. Don't overextend yourself. Those are good questions. Um, let's keep going. Another good one in that is take note when others have unhealthy expectations on you. This happens all the time. I'll have conversations, maybe in your small group, maybe in your staff, wherever it might be. It doesn't necessarily, I think sometimes we kind of like pull the trigger too quickly where you're like, ah, discernment, wall goes up. You have really high expectations of me and my time. And you're like, nope. Not going to happen. But an encouragement to you of just slow down and just take note. Take note. Bring it to the Lord. Examine yourself of like, why does that make me uncomfortable? Is this really a boundary that I need to have with this person or this situation? Bring it before the Lord. Allow him to create those boundaries with you. Because each person might need a little bit of a different thing. For example, two different women that I would say that I disciple and have a really big place in their life have really high expectations of time for me. Um, and I give them my time very differently because I felt like the Lord has freed me to do that. And this is what it looks like. One will utilize my time and, and she just comes in with me, doesn't expect me to overextend or I'm like, just come over to my house. My kids are here. This is what my time looks like right now. She's good with it. The other girl, my time needs to look like what she wants. And I want to love her in that space, but my time will have to look very different for the two of them. Does that make sense? Those are really good things to take note of and to understand that as you step into loving and giving your time and having boundaries with people, it will always look differently. And, and you, you really need to have those. It can't just be this blanketed, this is how much time you get and this is how much time you don't get. My office is open here. My office is closed at this time. Sometimes that will happen, but it's very individual. 
there has to be a shepherding, loving, merciful way that you look at it through the lens of like what Jesus did, right? All right. That's kind of a really great filter to go through. We talked about this a little bit, but in Henry Cloud in the book of Boundaries, he says, to rescue people from natural consequences of their behavior is to render them powerless. This is an unrealistic expectation of yourself. So when you have an unrealistic expectation of yourself, you need a boundary to remind yourself of this very thing. You are not there to rescue them. How does that make them powerless? Because you just kind of stepped in and you're just you're blo- trying to block all of the consequences of whatever is going on in their life. We can do this really easily as a pastor, as a leader, as a shepherd, as a disciple, as a parent, as a spouse. That the second that you start to cross that boundary personally is a note to yourself, red flag, this isn't actually love, I'm not loving them the way that I should be loving. It's not loving at all. You're hindering them the power to experience what God can do for them, right? All right, moving on. Physical. Romans 12.10 says, be devoted. In other translations, it's honoring. I love that word. Always keep the word honoring when you're thinking and processing through boundaries. Honoring, honoring, honoring. What's honoring to myself and what God has asked me to do and the commission he has called on my own life and what is honoring to the people around me, what is honoring to my spouse, what is honoring to my kids. Honoring. To one another in love, honor one another above yourselves. This doesn't mean that boundaries doesn't exist. This is so crossed in ministry. This does not mean that you serve and then there's this serve and then shame if you're not serving enough and then serve and then shaming enough and then you take this out of context and you're like, I need to love them above myself. My own needs need to kind of go over here. We heard the statistic last night, right? Like spouses and families feel like this is, this whole world of ministry, it's too big of a cost. What does that mean? They didn't have really good boundaries on their time. They were not honoring. They didn't honor. They didn't think about it. They took this out of context. They decided that they were the rescuer, that they needed to stay safe. Or they had unmet expectations. And then the next one, the third one that we're going to talk about is insecurity. There's an insecurity inside of you that will cause you to break boundaries every single time and you won't even realize it. An insecurity that you have to be enough and, and that means you have to say yes to everything to, to prove to people that you are enough. You have to be at everything. You have to be in all the conversations. You have to make that event the best it was, better than last year, bigger, that's, that's feeding this insecurity inside of you that will cross these boundaries that you have even maybe set and that you've talked to your spouse about. And then all of a sudden you're like, how did that even happen? 
happens all the time with Corey and I. Now we can define it, and it's actually a, a little bit of a quicker process. That's like the hope here is it's not going to go away. Boundaries are always needed. You never have arrived. They will constantly need to be there and will always change. But you'll never arrive to where you figured it out perfectly. A good question with the physical. What are some realistic restrictions I can place on myself to reduce the access this person has to my most limited emotional and physical resources? That's a big one. There's so many things we could say within the physical. So many different layers. If you're single, if you're married. Corey was like, what are you going to say on that one? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just, I, it needs to be in there. Yeah. What are some realistic restrictions I can place on myself to reduce the access this person has to my most limited emotional or physical resources? There are a million books out there to give you physical boundaries. If you're single, if you're married, we're not going to talk about that. The physical boundaries I want to talk about because I want to hurry up and get to uh, my third point. Physical boundaries of where are you placed physically and who is physically around you? Where have you physically crossed a line that places you outside of the fence and now you got a big target on yourself? Here's some examples. Your whole staff is going to lunch. You get in your car, who hops in the car? Your girl volunteer. Do you drive to where you're going to lunch, just the two of you? Or do you not? Have you thought about it? Do you have a plan in place? Well, make your spouse uncomfortable. What do you talk about? What's her expectation? Because now she's physically alone with you or he. For single people, that these are really good boundaries for you to know so that you're aware, so that you're asking the questions as a married person, or evil, even if I'm single and then I'm alone now with this very handsome or very beautiful other single person, what does that do to my soul? Is that a good boundary for me to have? Am I placing myself there because I'm insecure and I need a little attention? Or maybe I'm insecure because of my loneliness, because my spouse and I haven't got to connect, and I need to connect with somebody, and we could have a really good conversation. Boundaries. Like these are all in, in the physical space where you can either set yourself up for, for that, that really bad day and a couple sins away from disqualifying yourself because somehow you've believed, I would never. I would never do that. I would never cross that line. And the reality is, I think you need to check in. Have you forgotten that you're sinful? Have you forgotten who you are? That, that your title of who you are maybe is now your identity and you've believed, I'm now this leader, I'm now this shepherd, I'm now this pastor. I can handle this, I can do this. And the reality is, no, you can't. 
And in the busyness of your life, those boundaries are like bumpers. They're, they're helpers of you. Sometimes you're physically in a situation where you're like, there was nothing I could do to be out of that situation. And here I am. Well, a boundary says, if and when I get into this situation, this is what I do to be honoring to the Lord, to myself, to my spouse, to the singles around me, to whoever it is, that they may know Christ and feel loved. That's what a boundary does. All right, moving on. I'm running out of time fast. Insecurity. This one I love. Know your pain points. Know your insecurities. Know them. Don't ignore them. Here's a pain point. Corey and I had to have conversation about this happens often and ask yourself this. When you get off the stage and you've just done announcements or speaking, do you believe, because we all feel insecure, that I didn't do a good job until someone tells you you did? What does that do to you as a disciple of Jesus and as a leader? It starts to create this craving of affirmation. That's a monster. The craving of affirmation from other people other than Christ will be a monster that you need to kill. Because that could, that could explode into, we've all seen, the sin of pastors that just devastates a whole community. That's where it starts. That's how small it is. There needs to be a boundary. It could be a boundary of the heart, like we talked about the first passage that I read to you. Guard your heart. It's not saying when somebody comes up to you after a sermon and says, man, that really spoke to me. You're like, no, 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 it was just God. It's like, no, that's, it's okay to receive that. But to guard your heart and your mind is, I'm not going to believe that I'm really good at this job and I'm a really good small gr group leader because she told me I was, or I'm really good at teaching because I had a bunch of people come tell me. I'm just going to believe that God asked me to do it. I was obedient, and now I can just delight in the fact that I'm getting better. I'm getting better, and I'm serving the Lord, and not only that, it has nothing to do with me and who I am and how loved I am, insecurities, right? But it has everything to do with now, this is the way that I love people, going back to honoring. That there's this process to guard your heart and your mind. That is a boundary. It's not a physical fence. It's in here. It's in your mind, in your heart. The, the, that is what has to happen within the insecurities just draped all over our life. That's one example. You have to know what they are. You have to be honest and confess them. I'm not saying you need to confess them to your youth group or whatever. But like it's really a good practice for Corey and I to confess them to each other or to a close friend or whoever your close-knit people are because you need to be checked. Like we had talked about in some of our other times together, it's like if you don't have accountability in that, you're outside the fence again. You got a target on you. You're one bad day and a few sins away. Believe it or not, 
And so having that accountability and even inviting others to be able to critique it, this is what we're going to talk about right now, allowing others to be able to speak within that. Hey, I, I, I see this in you. I think you're finding too much value in these words or this person and allowing that to then be some of those things that you, you're trying to find boundaries in and you bring it to the Lord. God, is this true about me? Why do I do that? What else is there that's causing that? Uh, my friend who is a speaker does this analogy of the cup analogy. Maybe you've heard it. Another great boundary and trying to figure out is, are you holding your cup to be filled this way from Christ? Are you holding it out to every single person around you? That's your youth group. How many numbers I got? How many mm-hmms when I'm preaching? How many times did I get invited over to this person's house? Or how many times did I feel seen or cared about? And you're holding this cup out like, you need to fill me. And one really powerful boundary to have within insecurities is acknowledging when you do that most. Like, where am I? Who am I with? What causes me to do that? I have different uh, friendships that pull out more insecurities, or, or I would say even a big one, when you get called into a, an executive meeting, you're like, I feel so insecure. <laughs> like, I don't even want to talk. Or what they said to me now makes me feel like I need to go back to them and fill me up, like say something. And that's a crossed boundary. That will cause you to go outside of what God calls you to do and who he calls you to be. And you've just like crossed out into this field of just like, there's a target on you now. You've, you've put your cup out and, and that could just, it's like a sea of endless possibilities there. You, you fill it up here and where does that stop? I don't know. And it's so easy to do. Another one within insecurities is if you are self-critical, then you're an open target to feel shame. Oftentimes, we create boundaries with people all out of shame. We don't want to feel it. I don't want to feel it. And this falls under that category of insecurity, right? We're like, I don't want to feel shamed. I don't want to feel small. I'm creating a boundary with you. There are times that we should do that, by the way. There are times it's, it's unhealthy. And there's a good boundary there to have. But then there are other times we create that boundary. Why? Because we're insecure. We can't handle it. We have all probably been around a really insecure leader. How do they lead? Through their insecurities. The insecurity goes first. Are you able to be critical or bring up a... a a new idea or thought or change, no, insecurity. One tiny little critique immediately makes them feel shame. How do we have boundaries within that? 
well, when we hear the critique, a good boundary would be like, man, I need to take that to the Lord. My cup's up this way. I'm not being filled by what you're going to say about me, because if I am, you are going to be an insecure leader and lead through shame. You're not going to take it. But if your cup is up this way, good boundary here. If your cup is up this way, you're like, bring on the critique. It's not going to make you feel shame or small. Maybe, sometimes. Like, man, that was a lot. But you're being filled. That is you having a boundary within your mind and your heart where, where you can actually have those really hard conversations, really critiquing moments. They happen all the time in ministry. You feel so misunderstood, not seen. And when you have the boundary to protect your mind and your heart because you're being filled by what, what God has commissioned you and who he has made you to be, the boundary is going to look different with that person, right? They don't have so much claim on you. But then there's also other times where you're like, I know myself, I know where I'm at, I feel weak, and I am going to have a really good boundary. And when those words come at me, I'm going to take them straight up. And whatever God wants to speak within those words that they said, I just want to hear them from God. The second shame is involved boundaries are crossed. All right. The insecure leader just can't have a critical conversation. That is a red flag. If that feels like you, to really process with the Lord, like where have I crossed boundaries and not guarded my mind, and my heart. If you are under a critical or a a leader who can't have critical conversation, the best way that you can come to the conversation is understanding their boundaries that have been crossed, right? When you start to look at it through the lens of not just boundaries aren't just for me, but also for them, that you start to be able to have these conversations in your mind and with the Lord of like, I can see why they can't do that. It's not my job to change them. It's not my job to rescue them. It's not my job to transform them, even though it would be convenient. I'd like to be led by Jesus, not a sinful man. Right? But the way that you can enter in, in a conversation or a relationship or workflow with somebody who is just an insecure leader is different when you're looking through the context of boundaries. What boundaries am I going to have and what boundaries do maybe they need and don't have? And then you're filling up your cup and God's like, remember to give grace. Remember these things. And the boundary, like Corey was talking about last night, when you're within that fence, you start to experience this freedom. It's beautiful. You see people differently. They used to hurt you. Now it doesn't feel so hurtful anymore. 
Um, I really wanted to have a time where you guys could connect together and talk about this. We don't have that time, I don't believe. Um, and so I actually just want to pray over you guys. I know that this is a, this is a hard um, topic that it takes a lot of processing and there's so many layers from family and marriage and work relationships and extended family. I mean, there's just like so many layers to it. And so I just want to pray that throughout your time today, even your drive home tomorrow, that you would have enough space to just start to ask those questions and just give it to the Lord. You, you don't have to figure it out by yourself. Like God is never going to hide truth from you. Like we have this conversation all the time with young leaders of like, how do I know when, I'm, when I should be done or move to a different job? Or how do I know what the boundary should be or shouldn't be? Or how do I have this? And it's like, God's never going to hide that from you. Like you seek him and he wants to tell you. You don't have to figure it out. Like he wants to figure that out with you. So let me pray for you guys. God, thank you um, just for really practical tools. You are a God that understands um, our humanness and the challenges and the layers and the relationships, and it's all hard. I pray for this group of people that you would remind them that they're not alone, that you're with them, that you have a plan for them that you care about their mind and heart and physical boundaries, God, and that you will lay a path for them on how to lovingly have boundaries with the people and the work relationships and the expectations of time that, that you have a plan for that. And that we don't have to figure it out. We acknowledge our sinfulness. That we are one bad day and a few sins away from disqualifying ourselves. We desperately desire more of you, but that wouldn't happen. We love you.